When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Okay, here we go. We're moving through a busy week in the National Hockey League. Off-season storylines all over the place. Expansion draft coming up tomorrow. Who will the Seattle Kraken take? Who will they take off the Oilers? Are they going to go after Carey Price of the Montreal Canadiens? We'll dive into that with Brian Wild in a few minutes here at Inside Sports. He joins us from Global Montreal. And then, of course, the NHL draft coming up Friday and Saturday. We have coverage of round one Friday night from 5 to 9 p.m. And then Saturday is rounds two through seven. And we're going to be with you to keep you updated from 10 until noon. The Oilers with the 20th overall pick, they will... Of course, actually be picking 19th Arizona, forfeiting the 11th overall pick for those uh, combine violations. And one of the punishments is no first-round pick this year for the Coyotes. The Edmonton Elks continue to get ready for the season ahead at Commonwealth Stadium. August 7th, oh, we're slowly getting there, everybody. August 7th, there will be a game right here in Edmonton. The Ottawa Red Blacks coming to town for an 8 o'clock kickoff. The CFL going with a 14-game schedule this season. We'll uh, touch on that as we go along. And I'm really looking forward to catching up with Curtis Lazar tonight, the former Edmonton Oil King. He's going to give us uh, his recollections of his draft year. And he had a pretty eventful season. He was with the Buffalo Sabres, who were uh, just getting hammered throughout the season and then he got traded way up in the standings along with Taylor Hall to the Boston Bruins and Lazar really found a home there fortunately he got injured late in that series against the New York Islanders and the Islanders uh, eliminated the Bruins but we'll catch up with Curtis he's always great to talk to you are always great to talk to as well and you can get in touch on the hotline presented by certain teed professional grade building materials it's 780-496-0063. That is also the number to text if you have texting capabilities on your telephone. And you can email inside sports at 630chet.com. Follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. I referenced uh, on the show yesterday that I put up a good old-fashioned Twitter poll which really is the most significant type of poll you could ever have. And you still have a couple hours to vote. Over 2,400 votes have been cast to this point. If you were the general manager of the Seattle Kraken, which Oiler do you claim? The choices, Tyler Benson, Jujar Kara, William Lagason, Alex Stalock. I, I, I saw somebody tweet me back, well, what about Oscar Clefbaum? I do not think Oscar Clefbaum is going to be claimed. Uh, as Ken Holland has said, very unlikely Oscar Clefbaum plays in the upcoming season. And quite frankly, it is possible Oscar Clefbaum never plays in the NHL again. So keep that in mind. I saw somebody did a, um, did a mock expansion draft today. I can't remember who it was. Somebody just, just posted their, uh, their picks on, uh, on Twitter and they had the Seattle Kraken selecting Kyle Turris off the Edmonton Oilers roster. Uh, he does not make a lot of money. Unfortunately, though, he was not able to deliver what the Oilers were hoping he would deliver as a third-line center, and by the end of the season was a healthy scratch. 
most of the time, wound up playing 27 of the Oilers' 56 games, had just two goals and five points. Um, I don't I don't know if the Kraken are going to go down that road on a, on a 31-year-old coming off a season like that. I personally think it's going to be Kara. Most of you saying it would be Tyler Benson, 44.7%. But if you like having... Uh, fun and voting in a poll that uh, really doesn't bind you to anything you can jump on my twitter account and uh cast your ballot okay so uh you know it's interesting seeing a lot of the mock drafts come out now and who's going where and, and we'll and we'll get into this more with sam cosentino between 6 30 and 7 but it's certainly it, it seems like you got the top two guys the two michigan wolverines Power and Beneers, very, very likely to go one, two. And then it really opens up after number three. And you have a couple of goaltenders who very well, well, they're very likely going to f- go in the first round. And, and that's unusual. I mean, several years that, uh, several years, there's uh, nobody, no goaltenders go in the first round, or there might be one. Well, this year, there might be two. Jesper Wallstedt out of Sweden, likely to be the first goaltender selected. And then Sebastian Kosa, the Fort McMurray native who plays for the Edmonton Oil Kings, who went 17-1-1 this past season. Granted, the Oil Kings much better than the competition they faced uh, playing only games within Alberta throughout the season. But still, hey, you got to be good enough to put up that record. Uh, He's probably going to go in the first round. And Craig Button of TSN, who uh, announced his mock draft earlier today, has Kosa going to the Edmonton Oilers, which would be interesting if the Oilers were able to grab him. Edmonton's still in need, as they have been for a long time, of a franchise number one goaltender. Mike Smith played like a number one goaltender this past season. But uh, let's face it, maybe at at most he signs a two-year deal and he goes into his early 40s. We'll see if he can keep up his level of play. But you don't look at Mike Smith and say he's going to be here five, seven, eight, ten years down the road. Kurt Hill, the general manager of your Edmonton Oil Kings. So he commented uh, earlier that Sebastian Kosa, a very special player. Yeah, he truly is. I mean, the consistency is, speaks for itself for this season. And, you know, I've been asked that question a lot. You know, was it just this season because we're only playing the division or the numbers inflated? But, you know, even when you look back to last season, he was pretty he was pretty special and pretty exceptional for us. And that consistency hasn't gone away. I think, uh, you know, even at the end of the season here when, you know, we, our team potentially didn't have much to play for when we won the division. And, you know, that's when he played one of his best games, our last game of the year at Medicine Hat after a six-hour bus ride. So, you know, this guy's dialed in. He's, like you said, he's big, he's athletic. He's not holy. Like, pucks don't get through him when you see what some of the bigger goalies. And he's an extremely confident guy in the net. So um, somebody's getting a, a pretty established, confident goalie that, uh, you know, as long as he's developed the right way, as we know with goaltenders, sometimes they can be rushed. But as long as an organization's willing to develop this guy the right way, I think he's going to be something special. All right, so Costa, a big goaltender, good at reading the play. He's six foot six, uh, outstanding couple of seasons in the Western Hockey League. I, I would say the leading candidate to be Canada's uh, goaltender for the upcoming World Junior Tournament, which will be in Edmonton and Red Deer, as it was supposed to be uh, this past Christmas season, and then they just held it entirely in the bubble in Edmonton. So definitely a name to keep in mind there as well. Maybe going to be there for the Oilers when they draft 20th overall. Louie writes in, he says, what is up with Chris Russell in regards to the expansion draft? Can they pick Chris Russell? Yes, Chris Russell left unprotected 
some of the uh, key players available uh, that you probably know, some of these guys are unrestricted free agents, but, uh, you know, Tyler Benson, Chasen, Ennis, uh, Cahoon, Kara, James Neal, Patrick Russell, Devin Shore, tourists, like I mentioned, Barry, Clefbaum, Cuckoo, but, you know, Barry and Cuckoo, unrestricted free agents, so uh, highly unlikely they would be claimed. Uh, Lagason, Larson, Chris Russell, Koskinen, Smith, Staylock, the goaltenders. So, yeah, a bunch of players unclaimed, but now Seattle can, Seattle is right now in a window where they can talk to unrestricted free agents and and get a head start there. I know there's been some rumblings that perhaps that is going on with defenseman Adam Larson. I still think, I, I believe that Adam Larson will be back with the Oilers next season. I, I can't tell you when the contract is going to be signed. Uh, I, I think from stuff I've heard that Larson wants to play here and is going to be an Oiler next season. We will uh, we'll see how that plays out. Oh, uh, Harry's got the quip machine going tonight. He says, good evening, Reed. Is the nickname for the new Seattle arena going to be called the Crack House? Well, it looks like that's what we're going to call it, Harry. That, that's not what it's going to be called on Inside Sports. You've just given it a name. It's going to be the Crack House. Of course, spelled K-R-A-K-E. That's what we're going to call it. Thank you, Harry, for the idea. That's a beauty. You're getting a canned ham. All right, we're going to call a quick timeout. Coming up to quarter after six, could Carey Price be going to Seattle? Brian Wild from Global Montreal when we get back. tuning in tonight of course tomorrow on this show we will be talking a lot about the expansion draft seattle getting a roster could that roster include one of the best players in the nhl this century okay the century is only 20 years old but still he's really really good he's been awesome you just saw how awesome he was Taking an underdog team all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Of course, I'm talking about Canadians goaltender Carey Price. To dive deeper into this story, good friend of the show, Brian Wild from Global Montreal, hopping on Inside Sports. Hey, Brian, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm well, Reed. How are you doing? I am doing very well. But before we get into the Carey Price situation, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we were in touch, uh, texting a bit during the Stanley Cup final. Obviously, an exciting time. Didn't work out. How's the Montreal fan base dealing with the loss? Is it disappointment? Is it, well, we made it pretty darn far considering? What's the mood been there? Well, originally, of course, there was disappointment, but I think uh, that didn't last very long, and it's been replaced by a pretty strong level of pride that they went so far. I don't think there's much disappointment at all, and everybody's really looking forward now. I mean, it, it didn't take long for everyone to switch from July to October. It was pretty phenomenal to watch. I think it was only two days, and now everybody is like, okay, what's the team look like for next year? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, that's a good transition because the the team would look pretty different if Carey Price wasn't on. I I mean, I've I've touched on some of the uh, sort of uh, 30,000 feet view story angles. Uh, You'll have a lot more details. And I guess with Price, like what are we talking about? The potential injury situation, the, the, the signing bonus. Can you kind of put this in a bundle for us here? Yeah, you know, I mean, the signing bonus, I mean, it's $11 million, right? <laughs> so that's a lot of money. It's in one fell swoop. 
and it'd be 13 million they would pay out in the calendar year because uh, it turned into more bonuses and salary as it went along. But you know, Seattle, they just offered up some, I don't know the exact figure off the top of my head, but it's like 650 million or something. Right. So <laughs> I think they got 13 more. <laughs> I think they're okay financially. Um, so I don't think that one's going to enter into the picture much. I think the most salient point is that Carey Price would have never have done this unless he was okay with it. Um, and not to say he wants to go, but I think he can see that he, either avenue that this takes, he's all right with. Um, he played for the Tri-City Americans uh, as a junior and uh, near Spokane, which you guys know well over there. Um his family is from Anaheim Lake. That's in uh, British Columbia on the West Coast. And his wife is Angela Price. She's from Washington State. So they actually always vacation there in the summer. There's always some photo of him fishing or hunting out West every single summer that makes its way on the Instagram. So, I mean, he can see for himself a life there that he likes. And... He can see a life that he likes still in Montreal because it's the life he's known and has liked. So I think he's okay either way. And I think the Habs are okay either way, if that makes sense. Uh, whereas in one case, they say, okay, this is an amazing goaltender and he's worth a lot of money, $10.5 million each season, and he's a lot against the cap, but he's amazing. He just took us to the finals, and that's great. But... Um, he's getting older and he's a little injury prone as he gets older. Uh, he might have trouble with his hip. He might have trouble with his knee and that might all just be a lot of posturing. And we really don't know, you know, uh, because if I'm the general manager and I put, you know, my $10.5 million superstar up for grabs, I think the first thing I might say is, Oh, he's got a bad everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, but I think, I think Benjamin would say, okay, I did lose him. Okay, I lost him. Now I got $10.5 million. And then I lost Weber, and now I got $7.5 million. I'm about 18. And Joram might not come back. I'm up to 23. And that's $23 million in one of the best uh, UFA years in a very long time for a puck-moving defenseman, which is what they need. So I think the team's happy. Carey's price is happy. Uh, it's the only the fans that are super emotional, Reed. <laughs> okay. Well, I like how you put that, that, that everybody can kind of live with it either way which you don't often say in pro sports right it often mm -hmm. is it often is is black and white okay so do you have I, i'll uh, brian you're, you're probably going to hate this question do you, do you have no, a I gut no feeling <laughs> do you have uh, a gut feeling what the kraken are going to yeah, do Yeah, and you know what and, and it's a great question too because it leads me to an entirely different topic that i haven't talked about at all and, and my gut feeling has nothing to do with anything that i've just mentioned my gut feeling revolves completely around math it's just it's just simple math uh, if you put $10.5 million down on the goalie, that's 13% of your cap. But you still got a lot of players. So if Ron Francis looks at 13% for one goalie, how is he going to get, you know, simple math, how is he going to get his, 80, his $80 million in and still take a bunch of other good players? Like, if you let's say you want Everly at over five. Let's say you want Gord at, uh, Yanni Gord from Tampa Bay at over five. Let's say you're interested in Karasinko at 7.5. I mean, if you say to yourself, there are a lot of really talented players that I like here, and I also like Carey Price, you might be filling out the rest of your roster with $750,000 players that you don't really care for. 
social, you know, there's a lot of math involved here. And, you know, starting with 13% of your cap done on one guy doesn't help your math. And I don't think you really want to sacrifice. I'd like to get Everly, but I got to sacrifice him. Or I'd like to get Gord, but I got to sacrifice him. Or I'd like to get, you know what I mean? I don't think you want to sacrifice a lot just so you can have the one goalie. So my, my gut says he stays with the Montreal Canadiens. Just on that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm trusting your I'm trusting your gut. It's never let me down before. Uh, before <laughs> I let you go, what? Because you threw Jonathan Druin's uh, name in there, who kind of became yeah. well, maybe not a forgotten figure, but certainly a, a back burner figure as as he had to step away. What what is going on with him? What's the story? Well, you know, this is a pretty touchy stub- subject right now because so little has been said about it. But um, I'm just going to put it together, and I, I know I asked you know some of my. 31,000 followers on Twitter to, to listen into the segment. So I, you know, I want to tread carefully here because they get pretty emotional about this, but you know, to be honest, and that's why he asked me to come on, he didn't get protected. And you know, there had to be a conversation between Mark Bergevin and Jonathan Drouin that went something like, listen, Joe, um, I can only protect seven guys, and I got to make sure I make seven wise choices. So, what's your plan? And if he didn't get protected, what does that tell you about the plan? It tells you that he's not that he's not sure if he's going to play hockey, or he may not play hockey at all. But he didn't give him a, a verdict that said, "Mark, I'm coming back." Because if he would have said, "Mark, I'm coming back," he would obviously, you know, third choice overall. Uh, was second in scoring on the team when he quit. You know, if he would have said to Mark, I'm coming back, now obviously he would have been one of the seven protected players, but Reedy wasn't. So that conversation went with, it went with either Mark, I'm not sure, or Mark, I'm done. The only way he would have been protected, simple logic tells you that, that you're not going to use one of your precious seven choices on a guy that says I'm not coming back or I'm not sure if I'm coming back. So my gut on that one is he's not coming back because they definitely would have had that conversation. You can't be a general manager and not have that extremely important conversation with a guy that packed it in in February or March yeah. or whenever it was. Yeah, good point. you got to okay. have that talk, right? You've got to have that talk. And the talk went badly, obviously, because he was not one of the seven protected forwards. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, Brian, we got to jet to the news here, man. Thanks for uh, hopping on. I always love having you on and talking about the Habs with you. Great insight on Price and Drew. And we'll see how it plays out tomorrow, buddy. It's going to be fun. And if the big thing happens, you can call me back. Okay, <laughs> that's good. We may do that. Uh, we may need you in 24 or 25 hours during Inside Sports. That'll be fun. Brian Wild from Global Montreal on the Carey Price Seattle situation. Uh, we'll look into the draft a little deeper, we're talking about Friday's first round of the uh, draft with Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet when we get back. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. That was uh, good stuff there from Brian Wild. Covers the Montreal Canadiens for Global Montreal. I asked him his 
gut feeling do you think the Seattle Kraken take Carey Price and he said uh, that he does not think so because that's one player that would take up about 13 percent of the salary cap so that's uh you know three other pretty good players four other pretty good players depending on you you divide up your roster but that's a a big storyline heading into the expansion draft tomorrow then we have the NHL draft Friday and Saturday our coverage is going to start Friday at five what will the Oilers do who will be available at 20th overall and as I've been saying it's actually going to be the 19th player selected because of Arizona forfeiting but the nhl will officially record it as the 20th overall pick uh we're going to dive into some interesting storylines some interesting players here for the draft and we'll get some thoughts on who the oilers might get with sam cosentino from sportsnet checking in tonight hey sam great to have you back on the show how are you doing i'm doing great thanks yeah i appreciate it sorry uh, i was actually on another call in edmonton if you can believe it uh, when you called the first time so we got that all uh, all finished up and uh, yeah excited to talk about uh, what the future prospects might be here for the Oilers yeah I, I'm excited as well this is a really interesting draft before I, I get there so I want to I, I always like the personal story and you and I have known each other for uh, several years now and you're always very generous with your time to hop on usually around uh, uh, around draft season uh, how long for you now doing this and being with Sportsnet and covering, you know, junior hockey and prospects and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's it's 15 years, but I guess like like anything else, the last kind of year and a half. So I've done 14 Memorial Cups. Uh, I, you know, I'm really kind of uh, upset and disappointed that the 15th, which was scheduled to be in Kelowna, never happened. Another one that was to be in Ontario, which would have been close to home for my young guy to, to be able to make it to. So disappointed that those two didn't come to fruition uh in terms of the draft you know i've always followed it but when sportsnet got the rights back in 2015 um we actually went to the 2014 draft and started kind of ramping up for it and we had some bosses there that had some you know conflicting reports on me and i had one guy by the name of rob corte who's, who's our president right now who fought for me with some of the nhl people at the time to get me on because he felt that I had pretty good knowledge of what was going on, and and it worked out. And that first draft in in 2015 went, you know, went well. And and luckily, uh, I've been a part of it ever since. So it, it's um, it's a labor of love. I, I really really enjoy the work when it comes to this stuff, though. Well, you do a great job, and the 2015 draft will always be well well remembered here in Edmonton. It was pretty significant. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Life changing, maybe. Yeah, just cer- certainly franchise changing. They're, they're still trying to get to the very, very top, but he's uh, he's definitely made a difference. Of course, Connor McDavid going first overall. I'll, re- I'll always remember about that draft, uh, Connor McDavid and the humidity in Fort Lauderdale, uh, <laughs> which was Funny. unlike anything I'd experienced before. <laughs> I was in the ocean uh, that morning just to cool down. I went for a little walk. It was just cooking, so I went into the ocean there, and it was actually Paul Marner, Mitch's dad, was in there and so we got talking about the draft it was it was pretty funny but i remember just absolutely sweating bullets for that draft and i also remember mcdavid and dylan stroma were eerie teammates waving at each other from across the arena which i thought was kind of a, a neat kid moment before they actually turned into to live you know real live nhl playing adults yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, in 2015, uh, there wasn't much debate about the top pick and, and really the second pick either. And, and, so, and some years, 
Sam, and and look, you, you mock drafts are a dime a dozen at, uh, at this time of year. And with social media, anybody can post one. Certainly there are, are some uh, that, that may be more informed than others. But I do find it interesting. Uh, I see a lot of Owen Power, number one. I, well, I think I see that everywhere. I see Maddie Beneers, uh, number two. And then I see a lot, a lot, a lot of variants. <laughs> yep. You know, tell me about that, uh, how it opens up after the, you know, from the third pick on onward and maybe about the overall strength of this draft. Yeah, I, I love the top 10, to probably stretch out to 12 players. And then for me, Reed, it's really wide open after that. And even with, within that group of 10 or 12, if you happen to throw a goalie in there, there's going to be some really... Um, different opinions out there i'm safe to say that those 12 names are going to be who they are but holy smokes like you know luke hughes can he, he can just as easily go fourth as he could ninth kent johnson who's an unbelievable talent 101 points in the bchl two years ago he could easily go four five down to ten so you know dylan gunther's the same sort of thing you know i've seen his his name as high as three and, and as low as nine or ten so it is really varied there. But you're looking at probably at that three spot, a guy like Simon Edmondson, big 6-4 D out of Sweden. Um, you know, he's going to log a lot of minutes for you. Maybe some um, restrictions in terms of his offensive upside, but a guy who I think is going to be a, a top-pairing guy for you down the road. Um, you know, obviously Dylan, we know what he can do. He just continues to add layers to his game and, and improve. And although the points weren't exactly what people thought at the under-18, I think he acquitted himself quite well there. In other areas of the game, uh, the penalty kill, for example, being one of those areas. Um, then you're looking at guys like Brant Clark, Luke Hughes. Um, it, it really starts to, to, to widen out at that point. But it's going to be fun. It'll be fun to watch for sure. Well, I want to ask you about a, a few guys in particular. Um, first of all, maybe the most fun name to say, Atu Ratu, who yeah. it seems like if there would have been mock drafts a year ago, he would have been like really, really high, and and maybe now he isn't quite that high. What's the story with Ratu? So you get excited about players who work hard, who have some skill, um, and can go and represent their country as a double underager at the World Juniors, okay? And, and we've seen that before. I mean, Jesse Pugliarvi is right in your, in your backyard there. You would have seen it with Jesse. Okay, um, and then you kind of watch that player progress and you think the next step is to get into the Liga, which is the, the men's pro league over there in Finland. And recent history tells us, Kotkaniemi, Kako, uh, Ranton, and Barkov, Line, these Finnish players that play in that league typically register about a half a point to a point per game. In Line's case, it was the goal scoring. Um, that, that was clearly evident. With Ratu, we didn't see that. Six points in 35 games. And so that was a bit of a red flag, not making Finnish World Junior Team after having been on that team a year before. That was a red flag. So when you go back and you do a deep dive on this guy, the numbers don't necessarily add up. He, he hasn't always been great in international competition, but you like the way he plays. And you think that as he progresses and gets older, the numbers will come. And they just haven't come. But even in his history, maybe one or two good years go stretching back, you know, three, four years, and that makes you wonder. So now what are you looking at? You're looking at a guy who's probably a ceiling as a third-line center who works extremely hard. He's got good details to his game. He's never going to cheat. He plays honest. 
But in terms of being that first-round guy, that high-end guy, that top-ten guy that we projected two years ago, it's probably not there. Maybe it's more like a Pugliarvi, where it takes him a few years to figure it out. Maybe it's more like a UL Armia, who's now on his third team and has finally figured out and is a really good piece for Montreal on their third line as kind of a, a heavy guy with good hands who, given the opportunity, can score some goals. But he's not the number one focus in terms of being that offensive guy. So that's what I think we're seeing with Ratu and... Boy, it's it's going to be challenging. I, I'm probably, when I do my mock draft for Friday, probably right near the very end of, of round one. Interesting. Okay. Such a crazy year for, for scouts. Some guys didn't play or, or barely played or had to go and play in foreign leagues. Like some, a lot of Ontario Hockey League players wound up going to various European leagues, for example. In the Western Hockey League, uh, I, I mean, there's a kid who plays for the Kamloops Blazers who had almost two points a game you know who i'm talking about the the thing is though talk about a small sample size for for logan stankoven uh 10 points in six six games yeah and then he goes to the to the world under 18s and he shows off that great hustle that work ethic his ability to shoot the puck is something that stands out along the lines of a to bring it in the caulfield where smaller players who have obviously found success at the nhl level with that calling card um, but, you know, Logan's got some really good experience there with Kamloops, even going back to, to a 16-year-old year. Um, the under-18s was, was a nice moment for him, although he played a little lower than in the lineup than what he typically plays um, with the Kamloops Blazers. But, again, you're talking about that marriage of will and skill, and you like that sort of thing. But the one thing that Logan is going to be knocked for a little bit is, is the size. You, you can't get around that. 5'8", yeah, you, you need to have that steady, strong, lower hockey half, if you will. Um, but when the recency of watching the playoffs and seeing how hard and heavy it was between Tampa and, and Montreal, that is going to give some teams pause for thought on Logan because they're sitting there saying, is this the guy who we think is going to be able to grind it out in the playoffs and get you to the end? So that's the, that recency part is one thing that, you know, that may end up stunting him a little bit. Well, and, and we've seen that for sure, that sometimes players who are a little bit smaller uh, drop down, whether it's, it's justified or not. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet joining us tonight on Inside Sports, going over some players and storylines for the upcoming NHL draft Saturday and Sunday. Once again, it's being held uh, virtually. I want to ask you about one more guy, and then I'll get into an Oilers-specific question. Uh, and this guy maybe is going to be hanging around there in, in the Oilers' position, Elder Shawinigan, Xavier Bergeau. Yeah, again, another really fascinating guy. And what makes him fascinating is his efficiency in goal scoring. So two years ago, as a 16, he scored 33 goals, yet he ranked 60th in the QMJHL in terms of shot attempts. So that is, you know, his shooting percentage, I think, was 18.7% that year, a lot higher than the norm. Then he comes back this year, he scores 20 goals, uh, and is ranked 25th in the league uh, in terms of shots on goal. So now, again, that, that shooting percentage up over 21%, which is abnormal when you look at, you know, typical ranges for players at that age. Uh, so that's the kind of neat thing about him. He's a really gifted offensive player. He's an excellent playmaker, a little guilty of hanging on to it uh, too much sometimes, and a little bit guilty of maybe deferring to his line mate, uh, Maverick Bork, who was a first-rounder last year to the Dallas Stars. Also played with a guy by the name of Olivier Nadeau. You'll see him go. Um, in round uh, probably three on, on Saturday. So together, they, they were a good line. Now, the one thing about Borgo is he did not have a good playoff. So when things got difficult, his game extended out to the perimeter a little bit. That's 
kind of that recency bias again it might hurt him just a little bit but in terms of a guy who can play really well in the offensive zone has that hockey brain when the puck's inside the uh, the, the opposition's blue line he is he is one of the better players in this class for that and of course he's got some deception in that shot and that's probably what speaks to the the high shooting and the efficiency in the in the shooting percentage okay another name to watch for sure so I, i'm going to close with this and I'm going to frame this this way. When you were on in 2017 pre-draft and the Oilers had the 22nd pick and you said, watch out for Kyler Yamamoto. I think he's going to be there and I think the Oilers will grab him. And you nailed it. And now the Oilers are picking in the same ballpark. Like I said, officially 20th overall, but it's going to be the 19th guy taken. Uh, maybe it's going to be an Oil Kings goaltender. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I know you probably hate making firm predictions like this, but yeah. uh, do you have a ballpark player or two that you think makes sense for Edmonton if they're sitting there? Well, it's funny because I do think Kosa is in play there. I, I really do. I just don't know if he's going to hang around that long. And what will likely depend, uh, what will likely change that is how quickly Volstad goes. And then again, we're operating under the assumption that Volstad is the first goalie to go. So there is there is a possibility there. Some other guys that I think about, I think Borgo is definitely in that range, the guy we just talked about. I think Samu Tuomala. Um, is a dynamic goal scorer and a guy who probably doesn't get enough credit for some of the other things he does. He was excellent for the Finns at the uh, at the World Under 18s in Texas. Um, you're looking at maybe a guy like Chibrikov, probably a little bit too small uh, to fit in that range, but that's probably the range in which he's going to go. So there's going to be some options there. Um, and is there another name I could throw to you at that point? Oh, jeez. Let me see, Svechkov maybe, but I have a sense now after doing some work today that he's not going to fall that low. Um, I don't think they go the way of a defenseman, but if they do, Corson Kuhlmans would be a guy. So, uh, again, if we go back and look at it and break it down, Kosa, I think, is in play there, and I think Samu Tuomola is a guy that, uh, you know, that you might look at in, in that spot at 19-20. slash yeah, well, well, Kuhlman's, I, I always pay attention to where the AGHL guys go because, of course, I covered that league uh, mm-hmm. earlier in my career. And th- when I was covering it, there were not that many guys getting drafted out of Tier 2 in the AGHL like like there are now. And going, I mean, what was McCarr, fourth? And maybe he should have gone yeah. first when you look back. So it's quite a transformation at that level. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's it's interesting to see how things have kind of progressed in that way in, in the uh, in the Alberta Junior League and it's good uh, it just creates more competition and it's nice to see that the scouts have broadened their horizons uh, as well to go out and, and, and unearth these guys Sam as always this was great insight and I know you're busy doing a lot of these all week and you're going to be busy on the weekend so thanks for fitting us in here on Inside Sports uh, I wish I could say I'll see you this weekend that's not in the cards this year maybe uh, at the next draft or sometime during the upcoming hockey season but I really appreciate it man Okay, Reid. Yeah, always a pleasure, man. Uh, thanks so much. That is Sam Cosentino checking in tonight. Covers the Canadian Hockey League on Sportsnet and knows all about the prospects for the upcoming draft. And, uh, yeah, I, to, to me, it's going to be really interesting watching the goaltenders, of course, and, and you know, with one's, one of them is an oil king, so a local angle there. And then Dylan Gunther, how high could he go? Like Sam said, he might go third. 
he might go third and then he could go maybe uh eighth nine or tenth so pretty unpredictable after the first couple of picks I, th- I think you got the top two guys as sam mentioned then maybe players three through 12 are kind of in a bunch and then it opens up once again after that all right you can get in touch of course 780-496-0063 jordan says the oilers will likely pick a winger or a center uh why not speed up the process and trade it for someone already developed who's a restricted free agent well uh, yeah interesting suggestion jordan I, I mean we could obviously spin our heads all around talking about possible trades that's an interesting proposal i i, I do think and we've we've talked about this earlier in the week and, and last week too that the the draft has become what the trade deadline used to be for trades. The the bigger trades, kind of the more eye-popping trades, tend to happen around the draft. We've already seen some trades go down leading up. I mean, the Oilers got got Duncan Keith already. Uh, there's been some other swaps as well, some of those related to protecting players for the expansion draft. But uh, I, I do think we'll be reporting on some trades, not just the drafts, when uh, Stoffer and I are on this weekend. Okay, 10 to 7. we got to call a quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chet. Trent Brown from James H. Brown on the show last week. Always fun to have him on Inside Sports. He'll be joining us throughout the football season. Edmonton Elks continuing training camp August 7th. They open it up at home against the Ottawa Red Blacks. I got to hand it to one of my closest friends. Uh, his name is Courtney Terrio, works over at City TV. You may have seen him on the old tube. Excellent reporter. I've known him since we worked together at Newcap Television in Lloydminster back in the day. Uh, he, he can uh, he can be a little bit of a goofball and come up with some crazy stuff. Uh, here's, here's a fun one he put on Twitter yesterday. I don't know how he thought of this. Um, I, I haven't uh, talked to him in person, just texted him since he came up with this. So I, I haven't said, why would you possibly post this yesterday afternoon? This is what he wrote. The best hockey player born on your birthday has to score on a breakaway to save your life. The goalie he's facing is the starter for the Stanley Cup champs the year you graduated high school. Do you live to see tomorrow? Well, first of all, it's always the advantage for the goaltender on a breakaway, as we've seen in shootouts. I mean, what, even the best guys are usually up around 40%. Uh, The best hockey player born on your birthday has to score on a breakaway to save your life. The goalie he's facing is the starter for the Stanley Cup champions the year you graduated high school. So I checked who this would be. The best hockey player... Uh, born on my birthday, April 1st, would be Scott Stevens. Now, also born on that day, though, UC uh, Jokinen, who, who did pretty good in shootouts. Now, But Scott Stevens is just way ahead for players born on April 1st. Games played, he has the most goals, even though you know Jokinen's not far behind. Has 908 points to Jokinen's 563. But the best all-around hockey player... Uh, born on my birthday. It doesn't have to be down to the year on the day is Scott Stevens. And the goaltender would be Tom Barrasso. And at some point in their careers, Scott Stevens probably did have a breakaway on Tom Barrasso. I don't know. I I, I think uh, I got about a one in three chance of Stevens scoring. Why not? Curtis Lazar, the former Oil King, now with the Boston Bruins, up next.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.